Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Cruel, vengeful lords of the basketball universe. That's not what I meant when I was talking about Chet Holmgren and the hype train needing something to kind of pull the train back. That's not what I meant. Good day, everyone. Good Thursday to you all. Kind of clunky news here to start off this Thursday show. Chet Holmgren suffering ligament damage in his foot. They don't know the exact extent of it so far, but given that we're under two months from NBA opening day, it feels like ligament tears in a foot is more than a seven-week recovery, especially if you're talking about trying to get somebody through training camp on a team that's going to be trying to lose this year. I really don't know. Um, I really don't know the exact length of time we're looking at in this one, but that is very much the kind of news that can derail a hype train. I mean, geez. I was talking about like, oh, Chet got you know, run during preseason games or Chet couldn't handle NBA bigs at in training camp. I, I needed a news story like that just to pull up. This is, anyway. Uh, so all the talk we had, which, you know, I still think there was a, a reason for it. I This news does kind of detonate half of yesterday's show. Throw my arms in the air and yell, oh, well. But at the end of the day, a lot of yesterday's show was about how to read what's happening, how to, how to interpret the numbers. And obviously, having those numbers to interpret on Chet and Paolo made them something that was actually tangible for this coming draft season. But it's a good technique to have regardless. Other stuff that floated around on NBA News Twitter... Basically, NBA News Twitter yesterday, uh, R.J. Barrett, perhaps now, will be included in Donovan Mitchell trade talks. Nick's got to get that thing done. I, I don't, you know, they can think R.J. Barrett is the greatest player on earth, but at the end of the day, there needs to be some measure of, I, don't, I mean, geez, there has to be a little self-reflection in all of this, because... Barrett was fine last year. He did fine. He had a 20-point-per-game season, which was pretty good, but dude shot under 41% from the field, 71% at the free-throw line, hyper-inefficient. That's been the Knicks' problem all along. So, yeah, I mean, if you can go get a bona fide superstar and that's the thing that's holding it up, you you pretty much have to do it. Plus, you kind of need to clear out some shots. Uh, also news that the Lakers are revisiting the Miles Turner Buddy Heald trade, which felt like a given if Kyrie Irving really is staying put in Brooklyn. The Lakers will probably end up with those two guys in Indiana, simply because there aren't that many other really good possible destinations on the board. We've heard about maybe the Spurs absorbing a Russell Westbrook contract or the, the Jazz absorbing it. But if the Jazz do this Donovan Mitchell thing, I don't know how inclined they'd be to continue with whatever this sweep is. And then Indiana... This was always the one that made the most sense. 
send out contracts that are a year longer, speed up their rebuild by a full season of contracts. It always made sense. And they're going to be able to squeeze the Lakers for every first-round pick they've got because they know the Lakers have their backs up against the wall, mostly because of LeBron's age. So as much as the Pacers do want to save a bunch of cash, they still have the upper hand. And then the Lakers probably will ultimately not care about who has the upper hand. This might end up being just a go-get-it-done thing. The Russ trade will be one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA. Uh, Just blew up everything the Lakers had working, whatever salary, whatever cap space they might have had, gone, whatever team chemistry, gone. So now you just have to do whatever you can to get out from under it. Today's episode uh, at large, by the way, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. That's at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. All right, so this is a really difficult episode to do because for a number of, or honestly, it's been like two weeks now, I've been talking about how I wanted to do kind of this this third pass analysis on our quickly thrown together rank board this is not the final rank board I want to preface all of our rank board conversations with that note this is not the final board this is the dance trying to go through through it kind of quickly put names in the right places do it fast make sure it's podcast friendly but it's you know close enough it's a reasonable facsimile of a rank board but now that we have adp information you can start to create little groups of players, which you kind of could have done anyway. And I know this is getting harder and harder to visualize, which, again, is part of why it makes for kind of a crummy podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, damn it. So stick with us here. A little more on methodology. So as you guys recall, in the bucket formation, which to me is creating kind of tiered players for fantasy draft night. The main purpose is to simplify where you might be in a draft, and you sort of pull together this idea of how far can you reach down the board, because what is reaching down the board? Anyway, it's it's sort of a nonsense phrase, because the board you're looking at is organized by a website where you inherently disagree with a lot of uh, many of their ranks. So you're not reaching down your own board, You're just moving someone else's board around so that it looks like your own. So this idea of reaching is only relevant once you get ADP information. Because at that point, you're like, okay, I know where these guys are going to go. Am I reaching, meaning am I going and taking someone earlier than they would normally go to ensure that I get them on my team? But looping back around to the discussion, the main points of this... Prior to ADP data, we could start to categorize our players, our rank board, based on some of the criteria we outlined a month ago, which was like, okay, for, remember we did six shows on who should go number two? That's actually, in my estimation, was a list of players that probably could have gotten broken up into kind of three little mini tiers. So you had Jokic at the top, that one I'm not even counting. And then KD and Joel Embiid were the two names that I thought had a reasonable shot to be number two on a per-game basis and certainly number two by totals. Then you get into this chunk that's like LeBron 
and Jason Tatum and Steph Curry and Giannis and maybe Cat still falls in there. Those are the guys that I thought, okay, these guys are probably don't really have a shot to be number two per game, but any one of those dudes could end up as the number four per game player. And certainly, I mean, you could make a better case for Braun or Steph than probably the other guys I just listed off, but certainly any of those guys would have a claim to the number four seat by totals in what I estimated to be a slightly higher percentage chance of getting there than the guys that come later. Because for Giannis, you know, if free throws got a little bit better, and if he plays like 70 games instead of 67, there's a shot. If Cat is super durable and you don't see that much erosion, there's a shot. Steph, obviously a shot. LeBron was number four per game, so he just had to be a a little bit more durable last year. Jason Tatum, if he goes and doesn't miss many ball games again, but his per game improves to like sort of towards the end of the first round, any of those guys has a reasonable claim to that number four slot. But you guys can hear what I'm doing here. These groupings are basically being pulled together by where do these guys max out? Where is a reasonable, not a mega outlier, where is a reasonable best-case scenario for this group of players. And so the tiers that we outlined there were Jokic, 1, KD and Embiid, 2, Braun, Tatum, Steph, Cat, Giannis. Maybe you you could even throw Harden in there. Maybe Halliburton, although still I haven't done the Pacers and Jazz on this big board because I'm just, I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. Those guys... Are they all fighting for the 4-5 type rank part bucket? Trey Young, LaMelo Ball, probably Kyrie. Are those guys now all fighting for like number 10? Something in that neck of the woods? I know LaMelo was actually in front of that. So this isn't, it's an imprecise science. And that's the whole point of the buckets is that you're, you're organizing players by groupings of them. Not necessarily, I mean, best case scenario, probably not the best way to describe it. It's more of a uh, most likely. How about that? This is the mode. You guys remember mean, median, and mode from math when you were little? The mode is the one that occurs most often when you're running a simulation, basically, in this instance. If you ran this simulation 10,000 times, the mode for this particular group is... You know, the KD and Embiid mode was two. That comes up the most number of times. The average is going to be lower because it's never going to be higher, basically. That's the mean, and then the median was the center number, which sort of has almost no bearing on our stuff. Okay, so even without ADP, you could start to categorize players into very rough buckets based on what you thought either their a better case scenario might be, or the most likely, which in this case is kind of also the mode, and put them into buckets. But the problem with these individual buckets is that they would have been created before we knew where these players were actually getting drafted. We had a rough idea based on Yahoo's preseason rank board, which, as we've now seen, pretty strongly parallels the first batch of ADP data. But ADP data is going to change. It's going to change frequently, and it's going to change markedly. 
Because you're going to start to see, as we talked about on yesterday's show, you're going to start to see uh, analyst lists coming out, and that's going to move names around. It just will. It'll be subtle at first, and then it'll be less subtle. But already, we already see movement on that front. I think we might have already seen some ADP movement on that front. I think Time Lord might have slid. Did he go down a tiny bit? No, that's not right. Did Kyrie slide down a tiny bit? Doesn't matter. I don't want to get distracted. This is going to happen. And as it does, you can make adjustments on your rank board. But what I think is important to do here on pass three, which is... Okay, so let the let me redefine our pass. So pass one was just putting all the names on the board. Pass two was rearranging, was nudging, which, you know, the tiny tap of moving it a name ever so slightly. Pass three, technically, I suppose, was creating rough brackets around best-case scenarios for groups of guys. And I, I guess that means that now we're on pass four, which is what I've already told you is just an awful podcast. And so I, I don't think I'm going to do the actual grunt work live on air with you. But pass four is going through your board now with ADP data and arranging the names within the tier based on what order. This is now the game theory pass. Okay? So this is, by the way, that's what, I don't know if you heard of vibrate in the corner. That's a <laughs> an Instacart delivery in the middle of a podcast. Whatever. You guys are going to hear it because... You know, bleep it. This is life. This is life, man. <sighs> oh, hey, Taco Fall uh, is going to China. I forgot about that. <laughs> I wonder if my uh, wonder if my top shot Taco Fall moment went up from two to four dollars now or something. Um, okay, so this is the game theory pass. Now, the problem, of course, with doing it right now is that these players are going to move around. But if we just want to screw around with one group of guys, here's a group that I think most of us can agree on is a really clear chunk of players. One, two, three, four. I guess this would be group five, bucket five, if we want to stick to our standard nomenclature. Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard... Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, and I also threw, for good measure, I threw Freddie Van Vliet and Luka Doncic in there as well. The only one that folks might argue with me on is Luka. He's very different than the other players in this group because he actually has both a lower and a higher ceiling at the same time based on kind of what we've seen so far. He's also way less of an injury risk than the other players in this group. He just sort of ended up in it based on where I thought the most likely scenario of was for him ending up. But the other names in this group, um, Kyrie, AD, Kawhi, Van Vliet, Butler, Paul, these are all big per-game upside dudes with either medium or large... It's not even a red flag. It's it's like a red parachute. It's bigger. What What's bigger? I don't know, uh, hanging over him. As with Kyrie Irving, we know 
He can be an early first rounder, but he's Kyrie Irving. Anthony Davis, we know he could be number one, but free throws, health. Kawhi Leonard, you know he's going to miss 20 games. Freddie Van Fleet, he's going to be an early second rounder, but you know he's going to miss 15 to 20 games with his knee. And he's a little bit lower even within this group, just to sort of make that outline clear. Jimmy Butler, he's been a mid-first rounder, but he's probably going to miss 20 games. Chris Paul, is uh, he's been able to hang... Well, there may be a very slight bit of erosion here, and, and perhaps he also belongs more towards the back end of this group, but we know he can get up to that turn area per game, but he's also very old. Even if you can't say there's the specific injury risk that the other guys have suffered through with Chris Paul, he's just super freaking old at this point, and he's sort of being asked to do less and less on an annual basis other than to just captain a ship that he does a pretty damn good job captaining out in Phoenix. But even if you disagree with a couple of these names, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Jimmy Butler are all very similar players in that they all have first-round per-game upside, but each of them, the red flag, which is missed ball games, ranges from, who's who would you even think is the smallest on this board? Kyrie? Because his crap usually isn't an injury. So you're like, all right, well, you know, if you get the head stuff straightened out, then He's got the best chance to play the most games among them? I have no idea. Or is it the Lakers? If they make a trade, do we get, like, the better version of Anthony Davis? You know Kawhi ain't playing more than 64 games this year. It's not going to happen. All right. So we've established those guys are all within the same tier. Now, what you're able to do is you're able to look at ADP information and sort those players even within the bucket based basically on some combination of where you'd want to get them within that bucket and where they will likely go in your draft. And what we can see now from the ADP board, and some of this stuff might move around, is that, quite surprisingly, I thought, Kyrie Irving is number one in among that group in ADP. His ADP is 14.3, Anthony Davis 18.1, Kawhi Leonard 18.4, Jimmy Butler 18.9. Unfortunately, because three of those guys are clustered so damn tight, even in ADP data, it's not going to give us a whole bunch of things we can do with the list, but it gives us a little bit. And screw it. Let's say that we do leave some of these other guys in there. Like, what if I did leave Luca in there? His ADP is 5.3. Does that mean I move him up to the top of that bucket? It does not, because based on what we do with Luca, that's where he actually goes. But... It is worth notating in your buckets someone's ADP whether if it's higher or lower than the general area they're in. So with Luca, I don't know what you want to put there. Like an up... Nah, I don't like up arrow because that makes me think I want to take him earlier. I might just put in a number. I might just put in that his ADP is 5.5 or 5.3 or whatever the... Screw it, I just said. 5.3. And then... Let's say we wanted to leave... Uh, Freddie Van Vliet in that group. His ADP is 28.6. Chris Paul's 32.8. We can take him out just for to make this discussion easier. But Freddie Van Vliet, if we put him as 28... What did I just say? I'm having trouble remembering today. I need more rest. 28.6. You mark that on there. And now all of a sudden you have a bucket, but you have some additional notations that are steering you on the game theory side of this. 
And honestly, I know, again, this is really tough to do on a podcast because you kind of need to visualize. But I'm going to do my best to try to get this stuff to you. Um, so what you're now able to do is set up your actual day of draft strategy. Okay, the draft is coming back to you. It's roughly, I probably needed to do a better job of labeling my groups of 12 here, but, you know, it's pick 13, and uh, you're, sorry, you're, you're on the turn. No, you're pick like 15, it's come back to you, and all these guys are lined up. Uh, well, first of all, you know damn well, none of these dudes, other than Freddie Van Fleet and Chris Paul, have a shot of getting back to you at that point. You know from the ADP information that Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Jimmy Butler are all going to be off the board by the time your next pick comes back around in what would likely be the early 30s at this point. But you're also able to see who might still return to you. Now remember, our goal in a fantasy draft is to get the greatest number of players that we like on our team. Let's say, hypothetically, this is not the case, by the way, but let's say, hypothetically, this comes back to a discussion we had a bunch of times last year leading up to the draft. I think it's one of the most important things you can visualize for this strategy element. Let's say that you had Freddie Van Fleet ranked higher in your final numbers than Jimmy Butler. And don't look at me uh, side-eyed with any of this stuff because last year, Freddie Van Vliet beat Jimmy Butler in totals value. Freddie was 22, Butler was 32. Freddie Van Vliet beat Anthony Davis in total value. AD was way the hell down the board because he missed so many dang ball games. Obviously, he beat Kyrie because dude played 30 games last year. But let's say that this year that you have him in front of some of those guys again. Now, does that mean at pick 15, you take Van Fleet? Because you think that he finishes at, you know, 18, and the next best guy that's still on the board, you don't have finishing until 24? The answer is you could, but I don't think I would. Because in this instance, if you do not take... If you leave Van Vliet on the board, there's a chance he might get back to you. And if you leave any of those other guys on the board, they won't. So if you like guys in that group, in fact, that's the wrong word to use. You obviously like the guys in that group because you've put them ahead of the next group. So you like them more. Anyone that's in this group, you should like more than someone you have in your next group or next bucket down the board. You should want to clean out each bucket before you move on to the next one. But if you have a chance to get more than one guy from this group, you probably take it. So in this case, if you have Freddie Van Vliet ahead of Jimmy Butler, you probably still take, let's say that's your choice. Let's say Kyrie, AD, and Kawhi had all come off the board. So now you're picking between basically Van Vliet, Butler, and Chris Paul. This is an obvious choice early in the draft because you know Butler's going to come off the board way before Van Vliet and Chris Paul. But later in the draft, these choices become a bit more razor thin. You don't know the exact order the players are coming off. You're making calculated gambles. In this one, it's like a 95%, and that's more than that. It's like 98% chance that 
Jimmy Butler you take there, and then you hope that one of those other two guys gets back to you. Because if you take one of those other two guys, you know Butler's not, meaning then you're just hoping that one of one gets back to you, or you have to go to the next bucket down. So what's better, I ask you guys? What's better? Take Jimmy Butler, who in this hypothetical scenario you have ranked at like 22, and hope that Freddie Van Vliet, who you have ranked at, say, 18, comes back to you, and maybe you get 22 and 18, or do you take Van Vliet, lock in your 18, your number 18 guy on your board, know that Butler's not getting back to you, and then start looking at guys that you have in your next group down, so where the best case scenario is you get someone at like 26 or something like that. So do you take the guaranteed 18 and 26, or do you take the 22 and hope that the 18 comes back to you? Where do you roll the dice? How much do you roll the dice? Now, this is an easier one because you, you, take, you take Jimmy Butler because you have a chance still to get your other preferred guys and you know that one of them gets wiped off the board. You know Jimmy gets wiped off the board. But again, as you move farther down the board, you're making really hard decisions. Like if you have pick 38, do you take Zach Levine or do you take Kristaps uh, Porzingis? Do you take... That's a bad example because anyone in head-to-head is, is a very clear decision there. But we'll get into some more of that game theory stuff as we get into mock drafts and start to see exactly how players are falling. But this is what you're now doing within your tiers. You are notating guys that are going either earlier or later than expected and arranging your strategy within the buckets. And that's the concept for today's show. I don't want to go through and do all of this because that's incredibly boring for you guys. You don't want to hear me just type out ADP information on an Excel spreadsheet. But this is why we do it. Because once this is done, well, at that point, your buckets are pretty much over. Then you're doing passes based on where ADPs move. You're doing passes based on what you're learning from mock drafts. If somebody's going higher or lower than expected, that where it's like stuff isn't really matching ADP information... And then you're lining up your strategy. Then you have a pretty good idea of what order players are generally going in, and you can make really good high-percentage calls on who gets back to you. Have a marvelous Thursday, everyone. Off-season episode 90-freaking-9. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, on number 100, I'm hoping I can get myself into a mock draft somewhere. Mmm, that's the goal. That'd be a fun one for the weekend, won't it? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's see what we can do. Dano's on the hunt. <laughs> it might not be Yahoo. I don't know if they've opened them yet. We Well, they must if ADP information is out. Yeah, they're out there. I'll find them. Don't worry, guys. I'll get you a mock draft. Tomorrow we're doing a mock draft or results of it here on Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. Uh Good news, everyone. The Sports Ethos NBA Draft Guide drops next week. I'll tell you more about that in tomorrow's show as well. Hit me up. We're still recruiting, by the way. Told you all about that on yesterday's show. But we're squeezing all this in at the end. You've stopped listening anyway. Music is playing. Go do something else. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.